the the whole this whole podcast um, and, and YouTube channel is kind of going transforming into like a parenting lifestyle, intentional living, raising kids, being good with your money mm-hmm. um, type of a channel. And so the idea is that like I have the website firethefamily.com. And the purpose of that is to give very clear cut information and concepts and business concepts and financial concepts uh, to people that may not have heard them or understand them and to help you achieve financial independence uh, earlier than retirement. And so uh, if you want to go to the Instagram at Fire the Family, the purpose of that is to show that I, we're actually a family doing Real family people. things. <laughs> I don't do much marketing on there. I let people know when I have a new article up, but um, each platform we're on has its own purpose. And so the podcast uh, traditionally had been me just reading our news articles and stuff that I write, and that's super boring. And so we want to kind of get into more like, you know, being a uh, source of, of entertainment slash uh, information slash like we're parents and we're just young. Just kind of tying it all together. And tying it all, kind of tying, tying it all together and having a really great time doing mm-hmm. it. And it's bonding uh, with me and me and Kayla, we don't really have like that many creative projects that we've ever done together. No, not together. And separately, so yes. Separately. <laughs> we're all, yeah, we're pretty creative people. Yeah. I love creating stuff. So if it were up to me, I'd probably work in a marketing de- department for some really small company, software company or something. Uh, but that doesn't pay the bills. So, um, you know, and if it was up to Kayla, she would probably be teaching. I would. Like she is. I would be teaching. <laughs> so she's living the dream. Teaching and crafting. And that's kind of what you get into when it's like you start talking about financial independence, um, like what that looks like for you. And for me, it's this kind of like if I won the lottery tomorrow or I was we were had two million dollars of net worth and I could do whatever I wanted. Um, I would I would do this and I would make money doing this because we do. And we would continue to do that. And likely when people transition to doing something that they're really passionate about and can give full attention to it like doubles or triples or quadruples. Um, but Kayla, on the other hand, if she won the lottery tomorrow, what would you do? I would be teaching and crafting, teaching. crafting more. Crafting, maybe be art teacher. Maybe that would be fun to do eventually. I always remember uh, art class in elementary school at Wiley and uh, we did the airbrushing and I did a big bass. Oh, yeah. Like a lake with a big bass. That was a time in my life where we did a lot of every summer, all summer, we were at the lake fishing. Yeah. 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 So first and kindergarten are huge. Like you teach how to sit at the carpet, how to raise your hand, how to go to the bathroom, how to do every little thing, what you do to sharpen your pencil, where you go. You have to teach them every everything it's well, like their babies well and you just can't do that you can't do that from and online. yeah how do you do that online so it's and i mean everybody's in the same boat so it's just going to be really interesting and a lot of brainstorming on how we make this work and how it looks yeah, yeah and it, it stinks not knowing so we're at like a three week yeah like three weeks three week we're gonna find mm-hmm. out more as we go and for three weeks our son is going to be uh, learning home. virtually at mm-hmm. home and so that's a that's a struggle for us. Our our son, our oldest, uh, struggles with well struggles. I don't like saying the word struggles. He has uh, ADHD, um, and he has some difficulties around uh, focusing and focusing his attention. And does really great work uh, when he's focused and he's diligently working, mm-hmm. and he's got some guidance and kind of that m- micromanagement. Uh, he's literally just like me. Or if he's interested in it, if he's yeah. interested in it, he can focus himself and do amazing things but if he's not interested and it's something that you know it's just he has to do it it's really hard for him he's gonna be a lot like me and one of the biggest struggles i had in school um which is funny because 
I'm like the least likely person that I would have ever expected to finish school, let alone like multiple college degrees. Um, but I spent most of my time like doing what I needed to do and the rest of my time like building websites and doing yeah. th- projects like this. Lots of extra side projects. So I spent a lot of time on Khan Academy, YouTube, and, and learning alternative ways that worked well for me rather than from the person at the front of the room. And this was like doubly important in college because mm-hmm. in high school, we graduated in 2009. So YouTube was still just like poop videos and, yeah. you know, like jokes and stuff. And it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't very serious. And there definitely wasn't very much long form how-to content out there. No. And now you have Khan Academy. You have... Um, I can't think of the ones that I used other than that, but there's some really good resources there's that are great resources. way better than the teachers in my experience for college. And so mm-hmm. I would have this professor set up at the front of the class for 60 minutes or 90 minutes. And I get the same amount of information and knowledge in like 15 minutes and then be able to practice it. And so it was kind of nice for me to be able to go show up to class, do what I needed to do be a part of the discussion and then go home and learn it in a different way. Mm-hmm. And that was what worked best for me. And I have a feeling that we're going to have to keep that in mind with, with our oldest, just because of the way that he learns. It's so difficult or so different, uh, not difficult, but, um, but he's really good at, I mean, he's super intelligent. He's very, he's very good at retaining information. He's a little fact book and mm-hmm. I absolutely love his personality. It's just, he's going to be learn. He's going to learn a little different than I think our other two boys, which I think, um, it's kind of big now. A lot of teachers are, you know, really working hard to reach all of those kids because he is not the only one. There are lots of kids out there yeah. just like him. And I think it's really been coming to light in the past, I don't know how many years, but um, teachers are really working hard to um, differentiate their teaching and really be able to reach all of those kids in the classroom mm-hmm. and not just the kids who sit and you know you can tell them how to do this these math problems sure. and they're good to go so I think um I think he'll be okay he's just got to learn some coping skills to help himself focus down the road but yeah, yeah I think he self- likes school self-awareness is definitely at play and being able mm-hmm. to understand like these are some of the the areas are a little bit harder to learn or maybe in environments that's harder to learn in mm-hmm. uh, versus, um, you know, just finding what works really well for him individually. And I think with schools, like having 30 kids in a classroom or, you know, you have some, especially in the high school, you have a lot of kids and in college, you've got hundreds and you don't have that one-on-one. So teachers aren't divert, you know, differentiating anything at that point. They're no, just, they're just giving not. a lecture yeah. to everybody and hoping mm-hmm. that, you know, it's so much as so much of learning is, is on you these days. And it's funny because our, our youngest has this, like, he has this like disorder. I don't know what you call it, but if he falls and hits his head and he gets hurt, like hurt, he like cries, lets it all out and then doesn't take a breath and he passes out. It's terrifying. His body goes like stiff and his eyes literally roll back in his head. It's the scariest thing I've ever seen. It's terrifying. And he's fine like we've done our own research and even his pediatrician was like not worried about it she didn't really explain it the way when nick looked it up and we kind of figured out what it was i have a running theory the same way i don't trust doctors no he does not (laughs) and um so it's fine like he comes out of it after like literally like one second maybe two seconds at the at the longest but it's terrifying it's a li- well then, it's a little longer because after he comes out of it he's like a well, zombie for like a yes half an hour. but i mean he's not passed out for longer right, than that right. long he's literally like his eyes roll back and then he comes right back too and then he's just like 
it just, it's like, it sucks all of the energy out of him and he's just exhausted. So one of the what strategies, um, I don't pallid, remember. Uh, pallid. I don't remember. Oh man. Pallid. Cause his face turns white. There's two versions yeah. of it. There's a blue one, like a cyanotic, uh, breath holding or something like that. Mm, yeah. That sounds it, This one's like pallid breath holding and there might be a more scientific term yeah. than that, but it's very similar. And, uh, so he, his face goes white and it's a lack of oxygen to the brain that passes him out. And it's, it's wild. It's terrifying. And then, yeah, he's like, like Kayla said, he's like a zombie for, he's just out of, completely out of it for like the next 15, like a, 20, 30 up minutes. To, yeah. yeah, up to like 30 minutes. And then he's just like tired, lethargic, just wants to lay down and lay next to you. But he's coherent. He's back. He, he's yeah. back. He's like, it's, he, it's but, just but, like it sucked out at, all at like of that, his energy. At like that 30 minute point, he's like, fine, fine. Like nothing, like nothing ever, ever happened. happened. And it's so weird. And he's the one that has given us a huge scare. He's been literally the hardest child to keep alive. Out of our three children, he is the most it's difficult so weird. to keep it's alive. So weird. And, you know, you'd think being, having three kids, the third one is like, yeah, go ahead and eat the dirt outside. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, you pay yeah. less attention to them and you're less worried about them. But it's the exact opposite. Yeah. It's like everyone's always watching Liam. <laughs> yes. And it's just scary. When he was really little, about six months old, he had a uh, allergy to uh, it's called F pies. It's called yeah. food protein induced enterocolitis. And guess who discovered this? Guess who diagnosed him first before the doctors were willing to do so? This guy. <laughs> the ER doctors literally had no idea. They're like, maybe he has like the flu. And I wouldn't expect no I wouldn't expect the ER doctors yeah. to know because yeah. they're just in life saving mode. Keep you alive. Keep you alive. And like they they deal with they deal with that day in and day out. They're not in the business of diagnosing a potential like. <laughs> like no delayed onset onset food <laughs> like intolerance yeah. and that's what it is and so if he has uh it was the gerber rice cereal oats oats yeah. cereal kale's gonna correct mm-hmm. me a lot on the I show i will um <laughs> and uh it's it was like gerber cereal and he had like it was time for him to start mm-hmm. for us to start introducing like solid foods more mm-hmm. solid foods and he had some of that and it wasn't very much it and was like a tablespoon. I mean, it's like what you add into their baby food when they're first starting. And this was one of those incidences where I'm up teaching preschool. And the next thing I know, the girls come upstairs and they're like, uh, Liam's throwing up all over the place. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like I'll come get him. And you know, I just yeah. thought maybe he was just sick. I went down and it was a disaster. Like it was all over one of my really good friends who was working there at the time. Yeah. And she was like, I don't know what to do. And so I like took him and, you know, I still at this point just thought he just wasn't feeling great and went to put him in his car seat and he was just acting funny. And so we went to take him into the ER and, um, couldn't even leave the parking lot cause he started doing it again. And so 911 ambulance came, they like, they're like, we're turning on the lights and going, don't freak out, but we're going to get there fast. And so, you know, I'm just like in, okay, you know, in, in moments like that, I'm pretty good. And so I was just, we we're doing it. So, yeah, I mean, it was terrifying. I remember calling Nick and, you know, Nick got there as soon as he, as soon as he could. Cause yeah, he was at work and it was scary. Yeah, it was was because we never experienced anything like that with our first two kids. And I was like, I, I just started working. Like Mm -hmm. I was a BDR, which making cold calls all day and I had to rush out of work real quick and run to the hospital. And it was just, it was the craziest thing. And uh, long story short is about two hours after he has this, like uh, one of his trigger foods, 
and it sets in and it, it's because it goes into like his intestines and that's where the allergic reaction happens or the intolerance is kind of like kicks off in the intestines. And, uh, exactly. He, he's had, he's done this twice, two times, two times. Yeah. And exactly two hours, like to the, to the minute probably like yeah. close yeah. Uh, is when it is when it takes effect. Yeah. And so like, it's really hard to get it diagnosed mm-hmm. and, uh, it's called F pies food protein induced intercolitis and we even went up to like seattle children's hospital that was a joke for like a for like a diagnosis and basically do like a pediatric pediatric gi doctor and we went all the way up there spent the whole day to go to seattle and drive back and when we got there he literally poked him in the tummy a few times and said what did he say well we could run him through a whole host of tests blood work and stuff but it probably you know i wouldn't want to put him through that yeah that was basically what i got out of it well and he even went so far as to say you know i mean it it could just be that he's having migraines and i'm like oh yeah i looked at nick and i was like you have to be kidding me and he's like well you guys could just try it again in a few weeks and i looked at that was it and i was like i was like i was like that is some BS. There's no way I'm giving my six month old baby two two Saturday or two weeks in a row. It was like a Friday, and then the next week on a Saturday, I had given him the same thing because at this point we thought he had just gotten sick, and so the next weekend had to call nine one one again because the exact same thing happened. So we spent a whole day in the ER again, and then the couple weeks later we went to this GI spe- specialist, and he told us that. And I, I mean, I'm sure I had this look on my face like get away from my child because there's no yeah. way what I'm if, feeding he, him. He this couldn't again. have wanted to spend less time with us. Yeah. It was And a it joke. was so frustrating. And I'm pretty like anti like confrontational. And had it been like one of my close friends, Kevin, <laughs> shout out to Kevin. <laughs> shout out to that Kevin. doctor would have gotten a black eye. Oh yeah. For sure. Kevin would not have put up No, and you know, I need to be I need to channel more of Kevin in my life and stop, you I know, start being Kevin. that way a little bit more. And I, I think I showed a little bit of it in that situation, but I was just so internalized a lot of that stuff. I was so frustrated. Yeah. And it, it furthered my furthered my stance. I dug in my heels that honestly I don't trust a lot of what doctors have to say. And and the reason is is because like I trust but verify. Yeah. And the reason is, is because I personally had so many situations where I went to the doctor and they just gave me antibiotics, for example, mm-hmm. and it was obviously like a viral thing. Yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, situations like that are kind of, I think, where I started, not really 100% yeah, those for things. Sure. And I have a heart, kind of a heart situation. I have a heart arrhythmia and it's pretty rare. And most of the time when I go to the doctor, they can't figure out how to like take my blood pressure or like check my heart rate. Yeah. And it's like, this is like the normal doctor, like the family doctor, right? So they're not specialists. And so then, like, they just tell me it's something. And, like, they didn't recheck it. It's like, you obviously didn't take – They just make You obviously just made up a number yeah. there. And so, like, unless I go to the actual heart doctor, and even even the guy I went through the last time, like, didn't make me – he told me if I start passing out that I should probably right. go in and be seen. <laughs> right. And, like, we found out about this heart thing when I was 14 mm-hmm. and um, kind of just gone through all these tests and stress tests and monitors and all these things to get into the Air Force mm-hmm. and find out what was wrong with me. I had a very minorly invasive surgery, and <laughs> and I'm also kind of a hypochondriac. Oh, he for sure is a hypochondriac. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, you know, when I was in high school, uh, they you know put put a cat the camera up in my heart and took pictures and stuff. But I think I think we have to buy our oldest a Chromebook, more than likely. More than likely, because I'm going to be using my laptops to do um, teaching either from home, so I'll have to set up a home like calendar time area to do all mm-hmm. of my lessons from or 
what I'm really hoping is that I can do it from my classroom. So hopefully we're allowed in the building and I can do it from there. But either way, I'm going to have my laptops for teaching. So we're going to have to get our oldest a Chromebook for sure. Yeah, I don't think they're going to provide it for him. And it just stinks no. because we have so many kids on our street now that our oldest is friends with and mm-hmm. playing with every day. And they're, they would all ride the bus together. They're all going to go to the same school. And they're, like, talking about wanting to be able to go to school. Yeah, they all want to go. They all want to go to school. And this is super frustrating. Our oldest wants to go. I was asking him if he wanted to go to the school we're zoned for or if he wants to go with me because the school we're zoned for came out earlier and said that they were going to be closed for at least the first three weeks. And he was like, I just want to be at a school. Like, yeah. I just want to be in a building. So wherever I can go and be in a building, like, yeah. that's where I want to go. And so it's sad. But at least we do have the neighborhood kids. So, you know, once they do their schoolwork and get their stuff done, they can still interact because it's really only with each other and they're outside playing. Yeah, that's true. And we've been trying to, this whole, during this whole thing, we've, we have some workbooks for Riker that we've been making him do in the mornings. And he, he started just getting that he starting to understand that if he just cruises through yeah. and gets them done, yeah. he can go on and do other things. We, <laughs> yeah. for the longest time, were like struggling with making him do them. And it would take him like four it, hours to do like two pages. It's busy work, you know? But yeah. I just didn't want him to be out com- completely out of the habit to where when you get back to school or you get back to distance learning, it's this huge shock, like, wait, what do you mean I have to sit down and actually do this stuff? Yeah. So, so turning off the TV, putting him in a, kind of a separate room, like our dining room, and giving him that quiet space to do the work that he needs to do and just checking up on him and, and not forgetting about him has been important for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, as soon as you turn the TV on, you've lost him. Oh, like, for sure. No matter what's on the TV, especially if it's like like an, uh, real people, mm-hmm. he's kind of getting out of wanting to watch cartoons all the time. And if he sees like Animal Planet, Animal Planet or is huge. National Geographic or one of the Discovery, one of those mm-hmm. channels. And it's funny because a lot of those shows still aren't quite appropriate for him to watch this from the nature of yeah, them. Like so he likes, lo- he, he loves Lone Star Law <laughs> yes, and that's that yes. one's borderline. And so they, I mean, once <laughs> they start iffy. bleeping stuff out, I mean, Disney XD, like, so this is an yeah. whole episode in itself, yeah. but Disney XD has like the player select, which yes. is like the YouTubers. When I used to run a YouTube channel, they were like barely hitting like a million subscribers. And then they went on to be like super famous, mm-hmm. like Markiplier and some of those people. But they like still allow them to cuss and they just bleep it out with like chickens and stuff. And it's super, <laughs> you know that they're bleeping it in a way that's super obvious that they're, that they're cussing rather than just muting it. Like yeah. the best way to bleep that in my opinion yeah. is just, just cut it, like yeah. mute it, yeah, like cut it out. Yeah. And it's funny because all these YouTubers, they got to where they're at by splicing their videos mm-hmm. in certain spots when things, when they had ums or as or things they didn't like. And Disney, instead of just doing that, which is already, everyone's already used to that. Mm-hmm. They just make a wild, really loud noise and say, yeah. Hey, I'm saying a curse word. And it's right. so frustrating. Well, because it's, when you do it that way, it's like calling attention to it and making it be like, oh, that's funny. And right, it makes right. it makes like a positive, positive connection to knowing that they're bleeping out bad words. And, and Disney's like, Disney's been doing this since the dawn of time. Like you go back yeah. and look at all that. Oh yeah, like, for sure. When Facebook was really popular, this was like what everyone wanted to share on Facebook was like, the stars on Lion, like in the sky of Lion King, right? That were inappropriate. Yeah, yeah. Spelled out, <laughs> spelled out the word sex. Things, yeah. um, or some of the, you know, all the, all the movie, every movie's got something in it, mm-hmm. right? And so now, like, it's like there's, 
it's just they're always towing the line. And with yeah. our kids, like we just we're not going to play those games. And so I'm fine. I'm fine with them watching player select. But once that's once Markiplier comes on and starts doing that, or yeah. one of the other uh, one of the other YouTubers are are doing that, then we change the channel. Mm-hmm. There's a few that are fine, and for the most part. But I'm like in the same room, like listening. Yeah. And as soon as I hear anything that's it's that's not next. not perfect, yeah. you know, it's just frustrating. It's frustrating as a parent mm-hmm. trying to raise good good kids. Like they need to be exposed to some of that stuff oh, at, yeah. at some level. Yeah. But not he's he just turned eight. Yeah. Like he's. He's just and he eight. acts a lot older. He's got friends age. playing Fortnite and playing Halo and playing. Uh, I let like, I let him play Halo a little bit and I got in trouble. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and like I was playing a game the other night on my computer and it's called Apex Legends and it's a very it's very similar to Fortnite. It's just kind of like a more grown up version of it. It's obviously rated like T for teen or N for mature, one of those. Um, and it's on the internet, so you have no control over what other people are saying and. Typically, there's five-year-olds on there screaming obscenities, mm-hmm. and that's just not – we're not prepared to let him have free reign of that stuff yet, no. and especially the internet. So he's got a Switch, and he plays his Switch games on there, and that Nintendo's pretty good about, like, kids' games, keeping things kids-appropriate. Yeah, they and are. And Zelda and stuff like that is kind of the, the, where he's at. Yeah. Like, that's his, that's his jam is, yeah. is Zelda. That's yes. about as grown-up as he gets right yeah, now. Yeah, that's about it for now. Yeah. And it's just, you know, you want to keep them young as long as possible. Mm-hmm. And you you want to make sure, we want to make sure that we're doing our part to set him up uh, to where he's not going to go out and be a bad influence on other kids his age or younger or mm-hmm. even older. Um, and we want to make sure that, like, yeah, he's going to be exposed to this stuff. And it's become really evident now that he's playing with kids outside. Uh, he hadn't done that a lot other than family or close right. friends. Right. And, or, and most of the time there are kids younger than him. But now that there's kids his age or older that he's playing with, like I open the window and I start hearing things that we're not used to him being exposed to, which is great. I think it's mm-hmm. fine. Like he knows right and wrong and, and he'll learn. But it's difficult. It's weird. Like we're, you know, it feels like we've been parents for a long time. For, we've been parents for eight years. Mm-hmm. But you're just never prepared for what's just around the corner. No. <laughs> no. no. And Kayla sees it. She's, a, she's, you know, she's. She started teaching at school, public school last year, and so she's kind of like a, you know, a new correctional officer. Like, she gets to see inside the prison. Yeah. I mean, even in preschool, some of the things that the kids would talk about watching, like watching it, I'm like, you're in preschool. You're four years old. What are you doing? That blew my mind when I found out that your students were talking about that. I just didn't know. I didn't know parents. I assume, like, I... Just like people are with their finances, they typically don't do a very good job. Yeah. I assume parents are the same way with parenting. Like, <laughs> we're not perfect, but oh, no. <laughs> I think we, we're probably a little overbearing on some of our kids. But, For sure. But we're also not letting them watch things like It. We're not letting them play, you know, Gears of War, oh, yeah. chainsawing people. And, yeah. and our oldest is, and I'm sure all kids are this way. As soon as you start, as soon as they see that, like they want, oh, that's what we're going to play. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's go chainsaw somebody. And it's yeah. just like, they don't know. And it's like, and then the two-year-old wants to do it. Yeah, and then you see our two-year-old, you know, <laughs> no. imitating it. And they're like, this is not what we want as no. parents. No, no. So we try to be pretty careful with that. Yeah. Especially because they're, the little ones are in daycare, so then their daycare teachers start seeing that and other kids, and you'll get called <laughs> and in trouble. I got work to do. I don't want to be yeah. going. We're, our daycare, luckily, is only like five minutes up the yeah, road. super close. And I, I don't, but I still don't want to be going up there for no. anything, um, you know. In the middle of the day. Yeah. No. So the first day of daycare, just to kind of wrap this whole episode up, we'll kind of go back to where we started. And the first first day of daycare, 
Liam ate a Cheerio. And he's not allowed to have Cheerios. No, oats, people. Oats. oats. So we talked about this. <laughs> this. This whole episode is making perfect sense now. Uh, the oats. And he ate, I suppose, well, at first we got a phone call saying he ate a, he ate a Cheerio. And we're like, okay, thanks for telling us. It's, it's going to take like two hours. Call it. And yeah. yeah. And so, you know, we're, we were fine just kind of waiting, playing it by ear. And then we got a phone call like was like an hour and a half later. Maybe two Might hours have later. even been a little over two hours later. And it was basically like, nothing's happened. He's perfectly fine. We're not sure if he yeah. ate the Cheerio. Which is fine. I'd rather them call us and let us know. Yeah. I mean, they're trying to cover their backs. That They have it documented. And I've talked to them, I don't know how many times before they started daycare, letting them know, you know, Liam is the difficult one. We got to be careful. I mean, I had to have the doctor fill out paperwork so that I could even bring in his own lunches and breakfast and snacks because they don't even let outside food into the daycare. So they're pretty good about it and pretty strict about what comes in and what goes out of there, which is good for our peace of mind. But yeah. yeah. And the nice thing about this daycare is it's almost half the cost of the Mm -hmm. daycare we were going to, which was like $2,000. And now it's like, what 1300 yeah it's like 13 so and if we if they aren't going to go for like a week uh we can let them know ahead of time and uh, pay 50 percent. yeah 50 yeah. percent. i think we have to let them know like at least two weeks ahead yeah. and get it okay which is super awesome and how it yeah. should be and the coronavirus when that kicked off and we pulled them out in march it was like hey are we gonna like are we gonna have to pay for the month yeah. because if you pulled your kids out all even through the summer in washington yeah. where we were there was so little daycares that they that's how they charge so much money and number two uh, they, you just paid, like if you paid through the summer or you'd lose your spot, there was 20, 30 people waiting lists or more, or like more. two year waiting list to get into yeah. a preschool. The only reason we got to the one we were because I had a connection like connections through, through her preschool and the, her boss. Yeah. Um, and it was church based. And so he yeah. knew he went to that church or he knew the yep. people at the church. Yep. And so, um, it was like, you're, once you're in, like you you're almost good. can't even be picky at the place no. you go, which is it stinks because yeah. they're not taken super well care of. They were, there's yeah. a, a big luckily, variance. Luckily we were at quality. a decent one. I mean, we, we did get into a spot at one that was super close to our house. And I, I, once I toured it, I did not want the yeah. boys there. So, I mean, we were a little picky, but I mean, that's where we would have had to go if we didn't have the connection that I did and got into the one that we did because yeah. you and just luckily, don't have any choices. Luckily, it was close to my work, and so I would drive to uh, drive to daycare, drop the boys off, drive to work um, a few minutes away, drive back. And the whole the whole loop, or like from home to daycare to work, was like about a half an hour mm-hmm. commute, basically. And that included dropping them off and stuff. And now we're paying half the price. We're five minutes away. Yeah. I can drive up there, drop them off. Yep. I'm going to cut over two minutes away and take our oldest to school and then cut back over to Dunkin' Donuts and get my <laughs> breakfast sandwich and possibly coffee on Fridays. Yes. Yeah. And then um, our oldest will ride the bus home and then you'll just pick up the two littlest yep. with our oldest. Yep. And it's all working. within like a 10 minute, it's easy. like a 10 minute Super circle. Easy. Like I love it. Well, the daycares here, I mean, I ha- this is the only one that I even toured, but they're just, it's, they're run differently. It's. It's almost like a corporate type of daycare where like they're, it's like a big corporate company that owns this daycare name and they have their daycare philosophy and their daycare. This is how we educate your children. And they have all of these different locations across different states. Like it's 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 not just Texas. It's basically a preschool. It's well, and most, most daycares do have preschool programs, but it's just 
different. It's like a its own little private school district almost where they have all of these different locations. They have the one that we go to has two in this city and they have lots of different other locations also. And so um, all over, I don't even know if it's outside of Texas too. I haven't looked into it that far, but there's a lot of them. And so there's a lot of those types of daycares all over the place. And then there's also like your smaller run daycares where it's just one of them, like what we were used to coming from. And so you have a lot of choices. And the one that we went, that one that we ended up choosing was one of the more expensive ones in this area, but it was close. And the loop for Nick to drop off the kids and then come home was super convenient. Mm-hmm. There's actually a newer one that opened up that's even closer that looks just as nice. So we're like, well, if we ever end up having issues with this one, we'll just go here because you have that choice here. You can, it, like yeah. there's not wait lists. You can just go and come wherever you want. Like you have to pay their extra fees to start. But it's nice to have that security blanket. So it's like, well, this seems great, but if it doesn't work out, we have other options. Where in Washington, you did not have other options. It was like once you got in, you stayed and cross your fingers you don't have issues because there's nowhere else to go. Yeah, and I we just didn't know if we were going to have to keep paying when the coronavirus thing happened. Luckily, mm-hmm. we luckily we didn't. So luckily, there was like what, four months, us. three months, three or yeah. four months where we just didn't have to pay, which is and amazing. And then we decided we were moving, so we and just pulled them. Yeah, so we were making you know two full-time incomes mm-hmm. during this situation with uh, without daycare, which was $2,000 roughly. Because we were both working from home. Between the cost of the – maybe yep. even a little bit more. Between the cost of the daycare, mm-hmm. the food, like we had to supply lunch for our, oldest, or our youngest because of his allergies, and then the clothes they go through – you know, whatever, whatever we had to get for the daycare gas and all, all the above is probably a little bit over $2,000 a month, which is significant. That was more than our mortgage. Yeah. And it was just so much money. I mean, it's a, it's a very temporary thing. Both of our kids will be in school in, in three years. In three years. And so, uh, we're excited for when that happens because hopefully our income will have grown a little bit, but even if it stayed the same, Mm -hmm. uh, we, uh, we'd, We'll have that much cash to ex- yeah. know, extra to, to to free up to, mm-hmm. and Brody will go. Brody will go to, to regular school here in a couple of years. In two years. two years, and then Liam. Will so be in two three years, years, it'll get half. You know, we'll get half of that money back each mm-hmm. month, and then when our youngest goes back to school or goes to school, goes kindergarten, we will uh, we'll get that part too. So that's exciting, and part of the part of the the calculation when we were deciding if Kayla was going to go and work full time, and a lot went into that, and. The big, I guess the long and short of it is she was ready to start working and yeah. I couldn't ask her to, to stay home mm-hmm. if she didn't want to for more, for basically 10 years. Mm-hmm. She was stay at home mom plus worked part time, uh, the entire time raising our kids and school and school. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget that. She got her bachelor's degree and is finishing up her master's degree right now on her mm-hmm. last, basically her last bit of that. Yep. And, um, it's super exciting. And that's an awful lot to do in parallel all at the same time. Most people struggle to do one of those things. Yeah, we've always taken on a lot. I feel everyone's like, I don't know how you guys do all of that. And we're like, it's just what we do. (laughs) It seems like our normal. (laughs) I'm honestly thinking about this right now on the fly. And it's just like the whole idea of uh, where we're at now, of just pouring a lot of our cash Mm -hmm. into savings and investments to, uh, to hit retirement sooner or financial independence, I should say, sooner. And it's the same concept. We just packed everything yeah, that we, we wanted to get done educationally and, and investing in ourselves into the first 10 years of our mm-hmm. marriage from 19 to 29. Mm-hmm. Packed all of that in there really tightly. And yeah, it, it was difficult. Um, there were times where, I, you know, 
I now have anxiety whether or not I would have had that right. regardless. I probably would have. Probably. But um, that made my anxiety very you know, well known mm. when I was going to school full time, uh, technically working full time. My job mm-hmm. my, counted 40 hours a week, but yep. I worked on the campus yep. in the veterans office mm-hmm. for the state. And uh, but I did. I was required to be there at the school mm-hmm. from eight to five, and I took my classes in between. And then I had internet projects. I started a business. I ran social media for yeah, my aunt's a company. Lot, a lot of stuff and going on. Just an awful lot going on. We had the boys, mm-hmm. um, and we had no money. And Kayla was going to school full time and working, and the boys. And luckily, we had family help us out, and mm-hmm. just all the all crazy, crazy things that we'll just continue probably to dive into because it's just like this treasure box of. Um, looking backwards, like I'm really thankful we did it, mm-hmm. but we packed an awful lot into into that. Yeah, we did. And I, th- I think it's it's paying off now. Yeah. Um, and we're pushing the brakes on a lot of these things. And obviously, when Kayla's done with her master's degree, she's probably not going to continue going on to school. I joke with him that I'm going to go and get my doctorate just so I can be Doctor Kayla. French. Well, Kayla's <laughs> running joke that I am I have three degrees and Kayla's only got two. So almost two. Almost I don't two. have well, my master's yet. <laughs> she just has to do her capstone which is like a, a teaching final project. Teaching project. Yeah. Um, and for me, like my first degree was, uh, in the air force and it's kind of, it's kind of a degree that's given, like you use credits that you earned while you're going to technical school. Like when I was learning how to work mm-hmm. on airplanes and all I had to do was take like six extra classes, Yeah. four to six extra classes, yeah. like the cores, <laughs> like math, science, history. And that yeah. was basically it. And then I got my CC, my CCAF community college of the air force degree. Yeah. And funny that was like my first leap into mm-hmm. into education yes. and like nobody else around me was doing this no i'm like one. you can get a degree that's a direct transfer associate yep. and it gives you the basics yep. basics of community college and uh you could technically use that to go work on an airplanes as mm-hmm. a civilian uh, with some extra certifications and nobody around me was doing it and i was like they're even gonna pay for your school <laughs> And so that's kind of where my eyes started getting open, where I found yes. out that people all choose a place to settle. And a lot of people I worked around in the Air Force, like had chosen that to settle. Like it's great. Nothing wrong with it. It's a great career. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's honorable. It's a blast. Like it was so much fun. A great experience. You get to travel and like nothing wrong with it whatsoever. But for me, all of the things that a lot of people thought were really great about it weren't so great for my family. Like the travel, the deployments, being mm-hmm. away from home, the nature of the work. Um, you know, backbreaking work all day, every day in the elements, the rainwater, snow, ice, you know, ankle deep in water for five hours on an airplane launch, those kinds of things. And so it wasn't something I wanted to do forever. Uh, so I needed an education. And so we, you know, yeah. And so we, uh, you know, I got that. That was my first degree. So it doesn't really count, but it does. It counts to me. It counts to me because it without counts. that, I would not have gone on to get any other it education. Counts. And so we always joke that I'm going to hang up all of my three degrees yeah. and Kayla's gonna, and it's funny because we don't really talk about our schooling. Uh, we don't talk outwardly about it to friends or family. Mm-hmm. It's just something that we chose to do for our lives and our family. And, uh, it's paying dividends. We have, we've been able to move across the country I've written pretty extensively about, you know, the geo arbitrage uh, idea mm-hmm. of moving across the country and retaining our, our higher level of incomes. Um, we've, we have the house of our dreams. Um, it's not breaking the budget. It's a st- less than a quarter. It's like a fifth of our total income. And uh, we're, really enjo- we're really enjoying it so far. And this is the result of 10 years of just a lot of, a a lot lot of, of stress and a lot of work, work and time and, and trying not to... M- 
you know, have our kids suffer as a result of us yeah. like doing these things. And so as a, as a result, I only have two friends really yeah. three now. now <laughs> so I basically only have a couple of friends. Um, we, we didn't really spend our time doing anything but family stuff in our free time. That's so about it. we're a hundred percent focused on what we need to be focused on, but when it's family time, it's a hundred percent family time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't really have much more to say. We packed a lot into this episode. I'm super excited about the putting this on YouTube and going that route. Uh, we have a handful of subscribers based on my past YouTube. Uh, <laughs> you guys will have to check his past videos out. So I uh, experimented and wanted to, you know, experiment making some viral kind of viralish videos, testing out search engine optimization, keyword research, all mm-hmm. that stuff that makes a video rank on Google and on YouTube. And I wanted to test it out. So I started a new channel like years ago. And the whole idea was that I was going to make 60 second how to videos because I was so mad that these things didn't exist on the internet. Like I needed to fix the bathroom. And it's like a 20 minute video. Yeah. 20 minutes. Oh yeah. When they did did exist, they were like 20 minutes long. And so I needed to fix the bathroom drain plug. And there was like an eight minute video. It was like the shortest video. Mm -hmm. And it was just a simple task. I just couldn't figure out how to get the dumb thing off. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to videotape this. And so I videotaped a really shoddy video, tagged it the right way, titled it the right way. And that video has like 900,000 views. A lot of views. And I get subscribers (laughs) every day from that video. I know. And I can't monetize it because you have to have like a thousand subscribers. I can't Mm -hmm. remember. At one point, long, long time ago, I had a YouTube channel with like 10,000 subscribers and Mm -hmm. 3 million views or something like that before I quit. I did that in like a year, year and a half. So I, I understand how YouTube works and stuff. So I'm really excited to get this out there, yeah. get it on YouTube, get some traffic, get some people to find out what we're all about and what firethefamily.com is doing. Um, I've got a hundred over a hundred pages of articles. Um, I've got the fire calculator. So if you're interested in financial independence, I just put a calculator on there, which I'm super pumped about. Mm-hmm. It's gotten really good reviews. It's working really well. It gives you a good idea of what your financial independence number is. It tells you uh, what it would look like if you were to retire today, uh, financially, like what you'd be able to pay yourself in retirement. It'll tell you what, uh, if you do hit your fire number, what uh, you can expect you're getting in, you know, each month in retirement. So for example, if our fire number is $1.5 million, uh, we can expect to, to pay ourselves $60,000 a month or a year, $4,300 a month uh, in retirement. And so by knowing that information, you can invest more, less, you can budget, you can increase your savings rate, you know, make sure you're saving for emergencies and make, make some financial decisions based on that information. But the idea is just getting a baseline of where you're at. Mm-hmm. So yeah. super excited about it. Visit firethefamily.com. Follow us on Instagram at firethefamily. And yeah, I guess subscribe. Yeah.